Hi, I'm Michaela Loach. And I'm Rebecca. And this is the Yikes Podcast. and welcome back to the yikes podcast the podcast about all the things that make us yikes and want to run away but instead we want to lean into the yikes and move towards a collectively liberated future together the yikes things we talk about go from migrant rights and refugee issues to racial injustice to the climate crisis and linking all of these things and more together um and yeah just working out how we can move forward um collectively and through our activism Yeah. yeah, and um, today we were just really excited because it's going to be before chat, and we've like briefly touched on this issue before. Um, mm-hmm. We both think, I think, uh, well, not wanting to speak for you, but um, you know that this issue is like super important and like brings mm-hmm. together a lot of different issues, whether that's like climate and uh, social justice and other issues which are all interlinked, anyways. But yeah, today we're going to be talking about. So we're going to be talking about magic bullet solutions, like the idea that one thing is the solution for everything. So um, to kind of explain what I mean by that, um, magic bullet, we're not talking about the blender, although if you want to send us blender, feel free. Um, <laughs> oh, we have blenders. <laughs> yeah, true. We already have blenders. Um, anyway, so the magic bullet I'm referring to is this idea that kind of came from medicine of basically being a pill that will cure everything. So one pill that will cure everything is a magic bullet. Um, but the reality is that magic bullets don't exist. Like we might want one thing to cure everything, but that just doesn't exist. What actually we need is a multiplicity of solutions and lots of things to come from different spaces. Mm. We see in our climate movements and our social justice movements, um, a desire for a magic bullet to exist, a desire for one thing to be the solution to everything. And so we can perpetuate that idea sometimes, but I think it can be quite harmful because it can ignore the reality of the world as being much more complex than just being sold by one thing. And sometimes we can also just like collapse multiple ideas into one thing and reduce things in a way mm. that I think can actually not be harmful, not be helpful to our movements. Um, and instead, I think we need to, and that's kind of something we do on this podcast, is like embrace the multiplicity of the world embrace the complexity embrace the mm. fact that there's loads of things that exist and that we need to engage with all of these things um although that might not be as satisfying as there being one thing that's the solution to everything mm. yeah absolutely i think you know of course like complexity is hard and like leaning mm. into that is super hard but i think a lot of times like i mean there's so many examples of for this topic and i'm sure we're gonna get into like a few of them uh, in this episode but like one thing that like came immediately to my mind as you were speaking was like conversation like not conversation conservation um mm-hmm. movements and projects because a lot of times like especially um from companies and governments here in Europe they will go to other places um particularly in Africa and Latin America and uh in Asia and um and you know like look at like oh like how can we conserve this this natural environment by which they also mean oftentimes like moving and resettling the communities that live on this land which are indigenous to that land and have lived there for so much longer than you know Europe had even on their mind any environmental protection and know how better how to look after it 
Exactly. Yeah. And like, and even the idea that like, so like, you know, they were like reforested, not even taking into account that, you know, like, I remember um, a case study that we did in my undergrad where my professor who was from Kenya and he was working and so like he actually, you know, he's like, I thought I knew my local land, but it was even in a different space than I grew up. So we mm-hmm. did this project on like planting trees and, um, and other ecosystem um, you know, other other plants as well. But we didn't take into account that the elephants would move there in winter. Mm. So um they ate they ate all the seedlings. Mm. And it just like and you know, he really like said he was like, unless you work with the you know, like work with the local community or actually like should be part of the local community in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, you never know what's going to come up. Mm-hmm. And this is something, you know, like even the like the the resettling of indigenous communities and stuff for protection to solve the climate crisis shows like how much harm can be done when you have it under the umbrella of doing good in one way, but you don't yeah. look at the complexity. Um, I think, I guess like that is, that shows how key having an intersectional lens is to mm-hmm. all of this. Um, because yeah, when you focus on, on one thing being a solution and you apply that same thing to very different contexts mm. um you're going to open up space to possibly cause harm and that's i think what happens mm. in conservation um a lot um so even what we're talking about in like a kenya perspective that like the uk government have been involved in um removing indigenous people from the, the sangwa community in kenya from their land yeah. for like reforesting or tree planting initiatives mm. to balance out uk emissions um and so like this idea of like oh yeah okay so maybe tree planting is a good thing but you have to look at it through the context and like mm-hmm. you have to like engage with the world as it actually exists and as it actually is and like realize that we as as Audre Lord, as I quote this many times, like mm-hmm. there is no I'm definitely gonna quote this wrong as well, but there is no single issue struggle because we don't live single issue lives. And mm-hmm. so we can't go into any of these spaces like with this kind of blinkered lens of I am only gonna focus on this one thing and not realize the complexity that exists around it. But I know that, uh, yeah, and, it, and it's tricky because it's like, oh, there's so much to consider, <laughs> but we have to. Um, mm-hmm. And I think when I think of like magic, like a magic bullet or single issue thing, something that comes to mind is kind of my own history. So I've been, I've been vegan for like five, six years, I think five years, maybe. Um, and I know that when I first went vegan, I saw it as this thing that's like, this is the solution to everything. And I was, mm-hmm. and I would say to people like, all the issues that exist in the world, we just, like we just need to go vegan that's the, that's the only thing that that and, but mm-hmm. i didn't expand I know that, that too anymore. well yeah <laughs> yeah and i think it's because so, a lot of like um at least the the kind of um vegan media that i engaged with was also saying the same thing mm-hmm. and i understand it because like when we look at the world as it is and when we look at the harm that's that's like put across onto um non-human animals it is you want to get people on board and you want to get them on, on the side. You want them to, you want people to go vegan. And so I think in many ways, then veganism gets sold because you want to get as many people as possible to do it. So you're like, okay, we've got to make it look as appealing as possible and as good as possible. Mm. And I think that's why we can get, like people can get into an idea that I got into, like the, well, you want to, you want to like help the planet or stop the climate crisis, go vegan. You want to, like help world hunger go vegan like like but as as the only thing there was no like mm-hmm. go vegan but or go vegan and it was just mm-hmm. like said in this really kind of flat way and i think that in many ways that can actually be more harmful to our movements because it just reduces everything into this one action when actually 
going vegan or like being able to go vegan or whatever that is should mm-hmm. be part of a lot of different things that happen and need to be part of like systemic change as well and like mm. action and it can't just be that on its own yeah absolutely yeah i mean i really yeah i really resonate with that because i definitely heard this a lot and i definitely also said that a lot um and it's actually i mean it's so difficult because in many ways right like for me like of course animal suffering and like the way that we have like a systemic issue of violating um other animals you know um and like so non-human animals um is horrible and like we we need to be tackling that and like that needs to be but i guess like that doesn't that doesn't take away that we also need to do other things mm-hmm. um and like I think these like single issues actually then also alienate a lot of people from mm. actually joining these fights, right? Because if you can if you say like you know we this is the only thing that we that we need to do in order to solve all of the other stuff, it creates again like hierarchy and it also mm. kind of like perpetuates this idea of like oppression Olympics, but in a, mm. in like almost like the flip side where you like well, if this is like, you know, the champion of like, like resistance and champion of struggle fighting, then like, it's almost like we are better than any of the other work that's being done. Uh, your your guys' things don't matter. If you only joined us, then we would solve everything. And I think that's actually, that's a really, really, really toxic thing, even though it might come from a place where you think you're doing good. Yeah, um, exactly. I think that's, that's what's so key is I think, and I think I'm, whenever I talk about, even as a vegan, when I talk about vegan things, I'm always like, oh my gosh, mm. they're going to come for me. Um, like, I'm always, I'm always like a bit <laughs> afraid. Um, mm. because, but I think we need to be able to like criticize our own movements and our own communities that we're a part of, of in order to make them stronger. Um, and I actually like think this, I do think all of this comes from like a really good place. And I know that because I was in that place. And I remember mm. like when I was saying these things, when I was being like, I would genuinely be like, oh, like, like the vegan struggle is the most important struggle and like what well, like say all these different things um so i recognize that that can come from like a really good place but i think it, i definitely think it causes more harm because it does breed this idea of like hierarchy and superiority of like this struggle is superior and yeah. when actually i think we're so much stronger when we recognize that all of these struggles are connected i think that must make things so much stronger when you mm. say like oh like the subjugation and the harm that's that is put against non-human animals is connected to a lot of the harm that is created like put against the the natural world against other Mm. communities like all of this subjugation and exploitation is also connected to like capitalism and like all it's it's actually so Mm. much more connected and and from that perspective when you talk about it like that i think people are able to relate better and they can see themselves in that movement because they'll be like Mm. oh i actually care about this thing that is actually connected to this and i didn't realize this was connected to this and and it's because you're actually telling a real story rather than like a fake one and i think that in general our movements would be stronger if we told things not in a way that's just trying to kind of like just try and get people on board it should be mm. like, how can we do this in a way that is actually honest as well? Um, because that is, because then, because then someone can't come around and be like, actually, that wasn't right. Like, it's so, yeah. it's so much stronger, and you have longevity with people joining movements as well. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I guess something that for me, I often think about is like, you know, what are these, like the the stories that are being told, like the systems that we are in and that uphold certain 
narratives and and the like the systems themselves you know what are they rooted in and i and i think something that i keep coming back to is you know domination and like whether that's mm. you know like um human support superior that word is so hard <laughs> human superiority over like n nature even though you know we are part of nature but like um like seeing ourselves like um entitled to to natural exploitation to exploitation to uh non-human animals and then also obviously hierarchies within humans um mm -hmm. species um so i think for me like in some way like it is like the like the root of like hierarchies Mm. You know, if we if we saw that as like our our struggle, then mm. the outlets would be a multitude still, right? Like, so this idea of like even that there is like a single path to address this can't really exist because of the like multitude of like facets that domination ideas, if that's like our example here, for example, is mm. expressed because it's expressed in so many different ways. So like, why do we think that like only by addressing this one thing we could? change everything else like there might be you know like um there's a there's quite an interesting like idea pushed around like tipping points and like social tipping mm. points but like the the research that's being done on this is you know like once you have like kind of like a momentum um you you have like ripple out changes and like and i think that's a really beautiful idea that like yes like it when certain values are installed and when certain you know narratives are being shifted kind of like the it's easier then to like connect to other issues that are somewhat interlinked but not directly mm -hmm. and i st i do think that but that doesn't mean that we solve everything with like one with one solution or with one change right um yeah and i guess it's also like i'm going to find the best way to say this um because I just recently read um, We Will Not Cancel Us by Adrian Marie Brown. And in it, she says this so much better than I'm going to say it. But basically, in, in the ways in which we're trying to like address harm, we mm. should, shouldn't use the same tactics that have caused the harm in the first place. Yes. And I think that so often we can... I, I definitely see that, like my experience in the vegan movement, I see the vegan movement now especially doing that, like exploiting harm like mm -hmm. explo exploiting harm in order to try and get people to go vegan and i'm like that's not the best way to do that and that happens in, in our movements generally a lot of the time is we're like oh we've been harmed in this way or we see this harm happening so let's use those similar tactics mm -hmm. to but to get people to for, for our goals and it's just i just don't know how i don't think that is very productive and i don't think that that's like that's mm -hmm. not creating the worlds that we want to create i think and we should be thinking in like all of our actions like how can we create this new world that we want yeah yeah i mean i think there's so many issues in the vegan community mm -hmm. i mean you know in in all spaces and in some way i i recognize like why and i i think the expectation that like any movement space is perfect mm -hmm. is unrealistic because when we are part of these systems of course we have internalized you know like destructive and toxic behavior that Mm -hmm. I can be in in a movement space that is so dedicated to justice, whether that's like animal rights or any anything, and there will be toxic behavior because we are products of these systems. But I think there is definitely, and especially I think both of us have been, you know, influenced around, like for example, veganism a lot through social media and stuff, mm -hmm. and the faces of of that, especially community, which is a bit different than animal rights movements, but. 
but still like I find it very toxic in many ways in the narratives that are being pushed and it, it and that like actually like saddens me in so many different ways because obviously the you know the idea of animal rights is so needed and we we need to be fighting for collective liberation including non-human animals but in in many ways that the narratives that are being pushed in those spaces are really like turning me off even though i am vegan so like you know yeah, how it, how yeah. must people feel that i'm not even vegan yet like this is this is the issue right like exactly like, I, I see people um basically like be trying to call out like discriminate like harm against like oh, we'll call out animal rights issues call out harm against animals by being racist i'm like mm. you are using like the the same harm that you're complaining that you're you're like trying to advocate for um in order to advocate for something it just doesn't make sense like to me i'm like do you not realize that and this is one thing that really frustrates me about um the how the vegan movement has been i think recently mm-hmm. is it's like the argument is good enough without having to yeah. do any of this stuff. This is what annoys me. I'm like, the argument that we shouldn't like, that if we if we can, and in the context, for example, I'm saying this very much from a UK context, like mm-hmm. the argument that like animals should not be exploited and, and harmed is good enough, I think, without, without yeah. having to like exploit harm that marginalized communities have had without having to make mm-hmm. comparisons that are like, that you're being told are like not helpful um Mm -hmm. and i think that like all of this i think come yeah comes down to the tactics that we use to try and onboard people and get people to care and how much we need to be i don't know just have like integrity with them to do ones that Mm -hmm. are like right as well i don't know that i just that are justice-based as well um and i think that like justice-based also means ones that aren't manipulating people Mm -hmm. and that comes into like i find especially from a climate perspective sometimes how veganism is talked about in a climate perspective i think is a bit like manipulating statistics to work in a way that works best for people rather than being honest i'm like i also think from a climate perspective there's a good enough argument without having to like change things or make things seem different i think that's where i get my frustrations it comes from like a place of like i care about this movement so much and i feel like it, mm-hmm. we could be better does that make We're sense literally shooting ourselves in the foot with it yes. like you know yeah. like and i think i'm gonna just pop like just name drop here that like everyone needs to unfollow like james asby mm-hmm. and um voices for anonymous like get out of the spaces because and and there's like some other people as well but like these people like you know there's even there was like a group i think it was like two years ago i don't know if they still exist but like they even called themselves the anti-intersectionals mm-hmm. part of voices for the anonymous and they're very much like tactic you know is that they think like talking about anything other than animal rights which i don't even think they do well but um besides the point that you know they think that it would dilute the movement and like I think that's such a it's such a scary narrative that's being pushed there that mm. you know like we sh- we shouldn't want we shouldn't like if we dilute our our movements by making them more just then all you're saying is that you don't care enough about in- including you know people who are who are marginalized by society mm. already you don't want them in your movement and you're making these spaces unsafe for your own narrative to be pushed and that's something that's really really toxic and yeah speaks to speaks volume to like what you are upholding mm. um so yeah um, get yeah and one, one important note as well for for those folks is is because there have been 
so many attempts to try and have like reconciliation with these people and trying to change them and they have not listened i personally have had like i've gone into dm spaces with james aspie to try and be like come on listen and he's been completely dismissive and has not Mm -hmm. been willing if you are someone who is in that space like with around these people doesn't have to be like specifically the people we've mentioned here but with people who like hold these ideals engage with them like don't yeah, just yeah. dismiss them completely like engage with them try and have a conversation because especially if you're in their community they're more likely to listen to you and mm-hmm. cause change because i think like i have to remember that i think these people are genuinely coming here from like a good they they think they're doing the right thing mm-hmm. but that doesn't absolve them of the harm that they're doing and what needs they they doesn't mean they should be allowed to carry on having power and cause harm yeah and i think exactly. that so often in these movements um in especially in the vegan movement like these like problematic white male vegans are allowed to like run rampage and say whatever they mm. want. And then, and then they'll just excuse it with, but I'm doing this for the animals. And I'm like, what about black people that you're harming? Mm-hmm. Like, what about like all the communities? Like, what about the Jewish community? who want you to stop comparing everything to the Holocaust. Like what, why? Also, what, they, yeah, exactly. What about these people? Like you say that you care so much, but why, yeah. what about like your fellow humans as well? Like, mm-hmm. and it just, I just annoy me because they, yeah, they yeah. cause so we much are harm. animals. Yeah, yes. yeah, but like, even like after your own definition, you're you're wrong. Like, it doesn't. My favorite, my favorite story is when I was called a fascist by this um, guy like two years ago who I talked to, who asked me if I was fighting animal on animal violence, and when I said no, <laughs> like right, like I, that. So basically, he wants to he wants to stop. Um, animals so like non-human animals to eat other animals and i said i don't and he said that i was a right-winged fascist <laughs> lord give me strength and that and i was like well i think i have better um battles to fight actually than you know like to stop away at eating other fish and he's like i can't believe this this is outrageous and i was just like oh okay um i guess i'm not a good vegan then but So I think linked to this idea of like there being one solution to things um, is kind of a lot of the kind of consumer based activism that only talks about like consumption um, and the only solution is like consuming different things rather than consuming less a lot of the time um, or just cho- or choosing to consume something else. And a lot of these, a lot of these movements, so whether it's, whether it is veganism or if it's like boycotting fast fashion or these other things. I think when it when it reduces any sort of social like action to create social change or activism to the actions that you, cre- you create through consumption like under capitalism you reduce a person to a consumer and you reduce their ability and their power to consumption so you basically say that this per- that you're you're reducing people generally to how they are valuable or function under capitalism and I and this is something that I heard them talk about on Hot Take when they were talking about that in relation to kind of their issues with 
Seaspiracy, which I haven't watched, but they talked about how at the end of Seaspiracy, they talk about these big, like in the whole documentary, they're talking about like fishing nets and fishing and exploitation and like climate change and all these different things. But then all of that is reduced to, and the only solution is to go vegan. And in, and they talked about in relation to that, like how to reduce these huge issues to just a consumer change. Um, just also reduces us to just be just to be consumers um and how that reduction like is in many ways like enhancing the, the the current economic system and value system that exists and how instead like talking about us as a whole per human and as a whole person that could also create other actions that might just be outside of the system or in opposition to the system um could be a way that we could actually create system change rather than just like changing consumption patterns. And that's not to say that changing consumption patterns isn't something that is valuable. It is valuable. And boycotts are really valuable and and, an important strategy that can be used by movements. But it's not it. That's not everything. Um, And I don't Mm. want us to like reduce ourselves to only having an identity or value as a consumer. Mm. That's so important, yeah. Because the way that like everything is set up at the moment is that we think ourselves as only like producers or consumers. Mm. Um, and like, even when we like, you know, interrogate, for example, the, the way that the government, for example, talks about like different in different spaces and it doesn't have to be just about climate or whatever, like you will hear more the word like consumers rather than like, even just like, you know, citizens, which is actually so mm. messed up. Um, but everything is constructed around around that and therefore it also makes sense that you know these like big um like a lot of like corporate based or like government based like uh calls for action around for example the climate crisis is consumer based um you know advocacy and like you know change your behavior like re- reduce straws and uh you know buy buy more recycled fast fashion now like you know these things are they they fit in the narrative and they uphold the profit-driven spaces that want to continue to profit off the climate crisis. So, and therefore, like, it makes sense. And, like, I feel like it really relates also to the greenwashing, you know, that we, like, talked about, like, a few episodes back where, you know, like, this is a way to uphold toxic systems by just putting a new label mm-hmm. on it. Um, and, for, like, and whether that's, like, a one solution fits all or, like, you know, like whether that's like through like individual consumption or like the government really loves to push, um, you know, the this like advocacy for like technological solutions, which will like magically suck out carbon from the atmosphere. And like, you know, like these these solutions, not only do they not exist mm-hmm. yet, but you're relying 100 percent on on them. And like, you know, you don't know when they're going to exist. You don't even know if they're going to work. Mm-hmm. Like we already need to reduce stuff now so not only are you pushing everything on the on the individual consumer and shaming individuals for you know actions that okay in some ways we can reduce certain things but we're not responsible for like 71 percent of carbon emissions for example exactly. or you know like all the ways that you're like you know producing like when we even like think of like you know the products that we that we own there's it's called um plant obsolescence oh, plant obsolescence um, i think you pronounce it obsolescence yeah um of like you know like plant failure after mm-hmm. a certain amount of time of these products so you can buy more and this is like this vicious cycle of 
um, you know, that that's like very, very corporate driven mm. and systemically driven where like I actually as an individual, even if I buy like secondhand stuff, you know, the, the, the cycle is systemically upheld. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's actually, it's really vicious. Yeah. And, and I guess a lot of these, um, kind of single solution things, these like magic bullet things, um, are very individualized and they are very kind of reformist in, of the current system. Like a lot of them are like, let's have green capitalism rather than <laughs> like this capitalism. Um, it's not like call, calling for system overhaul. And that's why I think there, there's an issue there mm. because obviously a lot of these things are like, I still, and this links back to our first, our first, second episode, first episode about um, system change versus throwback. throwback. Um, throw, I think it was the second episode, um, system change versus individual change. Um, anything that kind of limits it to also, because then like anything that limits it to like individual choices especially individual choices about consumption it like just reduces people so much but also it assumes this kind of agency of everyone being the same like that we all have the same amount of agency Mm -hmm. in making these choices um and it basically says that like the amount of advocacy you can do is dependent upon how much like how much access you have to capital Mm. and that's just not that's not true (laughs) that's not true at all and when we make out the idea for example if someone says that the like the only way you can be an environmentalist is to go vegan, but someone does not have the like time or the capital to be able to do that. You're basically saying to that person that they have no power in creating change, which I think like is huge, just wrong. It's just wrong. Like, And in many ways, you, I think of myself like when a lot of these arguments, I'm like, who could this benefit that we don't want this to benefit? Like individual change mm-hmm. arguments, like who could this be benefiting that we don't want this to benefit? And I think there are in many ways it benefits these huge corporations that are causing so much harm um, because we make it out that like pe- that people that movements don't work that organizing doesn't work that like the only way to do it mm. is through the current system and that and, it, and and in ways that these companies can still profit from and still benefit from yeah yeah 100% no i mean and also like it makes you know like creating like a criteria list of like who can join mm-hmm. in something like how do we how do we then learn and, and like unlearn, right? Like, because like I will have had a different learning curve than someone mm. else, you know, even just like at the same street, let alone from a very different upbringing, community, blah, blah, blah. Which means like, I, if, if like people don't pull me into their boats and, and give me the opportunity to like learn new things mm. and, you know, also like invest into our, each other, like how are we going to collectively build change then, like then how are we ever going to like enable change mm. because like we're not going to be given the tools to dismantle oppressive systems mm. like we need to invest in each other right and so like so the from from the beginning on saying like if you're not fulfilling this criteria you're not welcome here you know is is really problematic of course there should be you know like practices around like um you know, if there's problematic behavior yeah. and all of that, like, how do we, how do we going to like deal with that? And again, like, it's, you know, like having a call in, call out and also exclusionary spaces at that point, if it's, if it's continuously harmful, of course. But I think the, the idea that like, you have to be vegan or you have to be plastic free and you have to, um, you know, make yourself arrestable for a certain climate movement, like to be able to join a certain group, that's actually not beneficial for the collective. Mm. Um, and also is very um when we look at the like the long history 
of people resisting movements is also a complete like neglectance of them mm, and doesn't mm-hmm. that takes away from all these people who've been doing incredible work mm-hmm. um very differently from yours um or ours you know? yeah so one thing i think that is key here and that i think i want to make clear when i'm talking about things i'm not expecting that every in me saying that everyone needs to acknowledge that there are loads of other issues that exist i'm not saying that everyone has to do the same work because i feel like mm. People could assume, I'm saying we shouldn't have one solution and then people might assume that I'm saying, well, you need to do it this exact way. You can focus on a, on a specific issue, but just have an awareness of justice issues and mm-hmm. and apply the awareness of that, those justice issues to what issue that you're specifically focusing on. Like we're not saying that everyone has to like have this really superficial kind of action that's just a, that you superficially know a bit like a lot about everything um, and you do a bit about everything you can deeply like have your issue, but you have to have awareness of the reality of the world and all the other issues that exist and and like mm-hmm. kind of dip a bit of that into the work you're doing because any work that we're doing doesn't happen in isolation. All of it is connected. And so, yeah, in the same way that we can't have a sing- one, one single issue solution, we're not also saying everyone has to fight every fight <laughs> at once. You mm-hmm. can just have an awareness and apply that. But I think, like, yeah, I really love that point because, you know, as as much as we're saying there's not one solution fits all, there's also not one person that can hold mm. it all. And, like, we all fulfill, like, different roles. Like, whether that's, you know, like, whether you're, like, a short-term thinker or a long-term thinker or whether you're a person that connects the two, like, whether you, like, have, like, one, like, you know... I don't know, let it be like marine biology and someone else who like can, like, is like the connector between a lot of people. Like, for example, I, like, I don't have like one thing that I'm 100% focused on, but I know, for example, that I like, I really like connecting different issues mm. and I like to like stir the pot there. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and I think also I'm like a more like long term visionary mm. rather than like, this is like the immediate step that we should take as a movement. Mm-hmm. And and I know that. And like, and I'm so grateful for other people who can do that work because I rely on them and, and some, and you know, there needs to be this exchange. And I always think of it as like, um, like a kind of like a forest. And like, because if we only had big, tall trees, it like that would fall apart. But it, also if we only had grass, like very very short grass like you know like all the same type then also like that wouldn't be a healthy ecosystem like we need all of the different levels we need all of the different like um functions to come together to be a healthy strong forest or community Mm -hmm. that can withstand any storm and also like catch like when the storm comes catch and harness that energy Mm -hmm. and um yeah so that and that's something that like i kind of like Think of also when we like want to onboard people, you know, like think about like, what are your skills? Like, what can you give? What do you want to learn? Um, You know, what are you? Yeah, like maybe not even like, what are you good at? But like, what do you want to do? Because mm-hmm. inevitably, like you have to have joy in the space as well. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's yeah. so beautiful. That's so, so beautiful. I love that so much. That made me think of um, Emergent Strategies and how um, mm. Adrian Marie Brown talks about like, how our movement should mirror nature and how we can look to nature for how they should be. And I think what you said there was so, so beautiful. And I think part of that is, is recognizing that there isn't one solution to all of this stuff and mm-hmm. part and, but a solution to part of what's going on in the world will be within all of us in some way. 
yeah. and all of us will have something that we can contribute to the multiplicity of solutions that exist and we might we have to listen to a large array and diversity of voices if we want to actually create a just world for all of us um, rather than just creating a better world for a small subset of people enjoyed this episode um i got chills at the end of that <laughs> like joe saying well, that's not nature um yeah we realized that the last couple of episodes have been us just having a bit more of a chat but i think sometimes it's quite nice to just have people in the room who are also kind of working this stuff out and we all of this podcast is us just also working this stuff out with all of you mm-hmm. um we don't claim to have the one answer to everything <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> um <laughs> And yeah, we hope that you recognize that we come to this space always in a place of love and wanting to grow and change together. Um, Mm. So we hope that you got something out of this and that you'll get plugged into community and start contributing the solutions that you have to everything that's going on. Yeah. And I think also, you know, like don't get overwhelmed by the, Mm. by all of the complexity, like the world is super complex. And like, I mean, we already know like our individual lives is complex, like trying to tackle systems that are like centuries old and you know are super complex is 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 really overwhelming in some ways but for me I think also brings always home like the idea that because we are in this complexity we will have so many like viewpoints we will have so many solutions through that and actually the like empowerment that we don't have to have all of the mm-hmm. answers or we don't have to find the answer for me has been quite liberating yeah. um, and has really humbled me and knowing that like my voice is just like a tiny, a tiny voice in the collective and all of our voices make us stronger together mm-hmm. in, in the solutions we can create together. Um, so hopefully this chat is not too overwhelming mm-hmm. and, you know, like kind of reminding us that, like we need we need to be together in order to address what we are up against. I really um, resonated with that like you saying it humbles you. I feel the same like it um mm. any I like any idea that one person can hold the burden of knowing everything or getting everything right is so ridiculous and silly and it makes me yeah, so silly. and it makes me yeah. yeah feel so much better to know that I only know a tiny teeny teeny tiny tiny part of it and there's always so much more to know. And in many ways it also makes me hopeful. Has everyone got their bingo card out? Guess what I'm going to mention. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Angela Davis. uh, Actually, yeah, um, classic. um, She talks about how, I remember, I've said this on the pod so many times, but um, how she finds it quite hopeful knowing that she can't know everything and and get everything right. Because when she was first organizing, um, they were not, she wasn't aware like, back like 50 years ago about trans issues and things like that and her feminist future that she was imagining wouldn't have actually been the best future that could that could exist mm-hmm. and so it's actually in many ways to me hopeful that the best future that I could imagine isn't even as good as it can get 
And Mm. I think that's something that I love to remind myself of because it's both humbling and motivating, I think, um, and Mm. always encourages me to listen to other people more than I'm speaking. (laughs) Which is hard when you have a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the irony. But, you know, like, as we always say as well, like, we can't ever have enough, like, climate podcasts or, Mm -hmm. like... Or like, you know, people like using whatever platform it is that you want to do or that you have, like, you know, whatever it is, it's the right thing. Because we like the more people advocating for this, the more angles we get to hear, mm-hmm. the better. Mm-hmm. Except if you're like a bitch to, you know, ask. <laughs> but um, keep your mouth shut then. <laughs> I mean, we have enough of those people. Joe, we have enough of those people. They, yeah, like saying that stuff, to be honest. So yeah, they can, <laughs> we've, got, we've got a surplus. You can... You can go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, thank you so much for listening. And this podcast, as usual, was um, all the sound editing, magic, joy, amazingness, made us actually sound good, was done by um, Finley Mowat, who is wonderful and who has an EP coming out. I think I keep rating this, but I actually don't know when it comes out. Um, (laughs) If if, when we do find out, (laughs) we'll put it in the show notes. We love you, Finn. Pluck, pluck. I have been Michaela Loach, one of the co-hosts, co-producers and co-creators. That was lots of co's. Co, co, co. Um, same for me. Um, I've been Josephine Becker and I'm, you can find me as Trees and Peace on Instagram, Michaela Loach on Instagram mm-hmm. and the Yikes podcast on Instagram. And we have a Twitter soon. How exciting. Um, yes. So check is the right one because there's quite a few Yikes podcasts out there on Twitter that keep getting tagged as us. Um but we hope you enjoyed the episode. Thank you so much for listening. A huge thanks to our patrons for being absolute legends and making this show literally possible. Um, you can find the details for the Patreon in the show notes. And um, please remember to like subscribe and give us like glowing yes. reviews on um, Apple and Spotify and all of those platforms. I don't think you can review on Spotify, but I think Apple is the one that means the most, apparently. Apple, yeah. So clearly I know give us... Give us a five-star review and yeah, we'll see you next week with another episode.